You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. All right, we are back in the Detroit is Different Podcast Studios. And today I am hosting another episode of the Riverwise Podcast. The Riverwise Riverwise Podcast is a podcast that's a voice for different things happening around social justice, around artistry, but more so what's independent in and around Metro Detroit and beyond, even to the world internationally. And today's episode is something carrying on with the series that I, Kari Frazier, uh, have led with candidate interviews, but we're talking about the local election of fall 2021 that's coming up in November. And many Detroiters at this point in time, I'd say, have disconnected. It's a lot of apathy in and around what's happening with this election right now. And I would say maybe even the political process altogether. Uh, we have a special guest today, Denzel McCampbell, uh, who is a friend of a lot of the people of Riverwise and the community uh, for his efforts and, and works uh, politically. And uh, we're going to have a discussion. Denzel, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. All right. Thank you. So uh, we're going to definitely open this up with uh, naturally voter turnout is extremely low in uh, Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it could be, you know, for many reasons. But why do you think so many people have checked out to the local election that's happening 2021 in the Detroit area. You're right. If you look at the last, in the primary election, right, we had a primary election for the municipal, and this at, it was at 14%, right? Mm-hmm. 14% of the folks who are registered to vote. And what we've seen is that, I think a number one issue is that a lot of folks aren't getting the necessary education that they need around elections, what's on the ballot, how they can vote, and things like that. But also... Every time you're looking in the headlines, you're seeing a Detroit official is under investigation for this. A Detroit official is in the uh, courtroom for this and that. And I think folks have really felt that we, the current folks that we have in office, aren't really reflective of their needs. And when they come to them for votes and things like that, they say they're going to do one thing and they turn around and do another one. So I think it's the lack of education, um, civic education, well, I'll say civic education of getting folks the tools that they need to be engaged, not at the, not only at the ballot box, but beyond, right? We tell people to go vote, but we also have to talk to folks about how do we hold folks accountable, but also how do you be a part of the change as well, right? And I think that is a key aspect, but also we need to make sure that we're having elected officials in the roles to actually show up for people and not show up for corporate interests, not show up for the folks who are actively working against the common people in the city of Detroit. All right, and you brought up something that's been spoken often that I've had in many political discussions that it's not just showing up on election day it's holding the political officials accountable Mm -hmm. uh the average detroiter depending upon what's happening uh is definitely in what we consider and what's labeled in america as poverty uh being impoverished prevents you where your time Mm -hmm. and what's at wit's end and just your your consciousness towards doing things and you know it's it's so many things that hold back but I'm just being an advocate on behalf of the people you know Mm -hmm. to go down to city council I'm already looking at possibly spending $20 in parking alone absolutely Uh, it's not like that's a a place that's welcome for the community to come Uh, let alone if I have a job if I have children in school I mean how how do I even stay abreast of 
right. so much of this stuff that's ongoing and uh, the the veil of a lot of things that are going through a lot of the public private partnerships right now. You know, it can be overwhelming even for a person like me that, you know, kind of has more of an interest in Absolutely. this and uh, kind of the covering content in and around the city of Detroit. So I'm assuming the average Detroiter just, you know, how will they have the luxury and, and, and commitment to holding a person accountable for something that they said they were going to do? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a candidate for Detroit City Clerk, and what I talk to folks about what I want to do is create what's called a, a civic education core, right? So this will be folks partner with organizations, partner with folks in the neighborhood to go door to door to people to ask which issues are important to you, right? So if someone says, I need more recreation options for my children in the neighborhood, to go to them and say, okay, here's the city council person in your neighborhood. Here's the mayor's office. They are over the budgeting for parks and recs, right? Here's the number to parks and recs. If you you want new equipment, you're not seeing the grass cut, here's, here's how to call them to make sure it happens. But also, if you're not liking the way things are going, here's the city council meeting. Here are ways to actually engage them that you don't have to spend money on parking downtown, that you don't have to take five hours out because you can email a comment in, right? You can um, you can do various ways of giving folks the options to have a more accessible government. And then when they have, if they do all those things and they still have an official that's not reflective or not answering their needs, then let's have a conversation about the ballot box. This is how you hold them accountable by voting them out if they're not doing what's, on, what's good for you, right? Or actually, if you want to run for office yourself, right, this is how you can do those things. Here's the process in that way. What I'm trying to do as a city clerk and running for city clerk is making government more accessible for the everyday person. Because you're right. You have folks having multiple jobs. You have folks not being able to go downtown to park, transportation to get downtown, Mm -hmm. things like that. We're in the 21st century. And. We have to make sure that our government is following that footsteps to make sure it's accessible. Because if we continue to have a government where 14% of people turn out and you have these elected officials continue to go to those 14% of people and say, oh, I have a mandate from the people, you don't have a mandate for the people. And what we, what I'm trying to do is equip folks with the tools to say, I didn't say that. I didn't tell you to do that. I went to the ballot box and I want these things to happen and you're not doing it. So I'm going to hold you accountable in that way. And then not just for me running for Detroit City Clerk, but as folks are knocking on doors for city council candidates, folks can definitely ask them the question. How are you going to make sure that you're accountable to me? And with that, that's where voter education is so paramount. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We partnered Detroit is different partnered with uh, Riverwise to actually have voter education because many people don't even understand the roles and responsibilities of what a city council member does. Absolutely. Uh, don't even understand the the government structure of how this is such a heavy mayoral city. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times when people have complaints, it's, it's unique because the only uh, body of po- political body that you can have discourse and interact with are the city council, mm-hmm. but they're in a fiscal legislative capacity right. where they can create ordinances. And please review this if, if you're listening uh, and they can decide on the budget. But other than that, all the complaints are executive based complaints mm-hmm. because this is truly a city run by the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, from top to bottom. Uh, and, and nowadays with the public-private partnerships, it becomes very much a gray area mm-hmm. of how things are executed, even with the budget. Because it's like, okay, the city council may approve X, but 
you know, Jamie Dimon and, and Chase Bank just decided to go on and put and these put three extra parks, parks down here downtown. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm the mayor. I'm down here just because Chase asked me to be down here. I'm at the ribbon cutting, but I had nothing to do with this. This right. was this was Chase Bank's money. This is a private entity. The Riverfront Conservancy, for instance, mm-hmm. has many non uh, non uh, government related entities that are a part of that body. That is a classic example when people say, man, look at all the stuff done mm-hmm. for the riverfront. Why won't that come to the neighborhood? And the natural discussion point from the executive body is like, hey, that's not us. Right. No. Hey, that's 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 private money. Exactly. Maybe you build up your neighborhood and maybe, you know, Chase Bank will want to do something over there. And, you know. You know, that's where the path that our city government has taken, really to say, really, there's been this view of the good and bad neighborhoods in the city of Detroit or the good and bad places. Right. And we've seen our elected officials come and say, oh, well, we want to have this investment. Please come invest into the city and then divert it to certain places. Right. And then not really lifting up everyone in the communities. Right. And for me, I've always thought about. Why haven't we done a needs assessment in every community in the city to say, what's missing here? Do Is there a grocery store? Is there access to uh, fresh foods, right? Is there access to um, equitable transportation, right? But instead, we see money, money and money continue to be poured into the places where it looks good for tourists to come, while most of the folks are still suffering not having their needs addressed. And what I will put to folks is that as folks are coming around for mayor, as folks are coming around for the city council, ask them the question on what are you going to do with these public-private partnerships? Because you're absolutely right in a way that we've seen folks say, oh, yeah, that's not us. Well, I don't have anything to do with that. Or you're going to have to ask the uh, Detroit Eco- Economic Development Corps. Or you're going to have to ask them that because that's not. Ask them then, why are you running for office if that's not your job? Mm-hmm. Why are you running to be my representative on city council? Why are you running to be the mayor if that's not your job? If you're not going to rein in these folks who are not investing or not showing up for the neighborhoods like they're supposed to, why are you running? And why are you not being a good steward of the tax dollars that folks are struggling to pay? Right. I think that's the, and that's another thing is that we have all these public partner, public private partnerships, but our tax dollars are still going to them. So if you're going to come to me and say, that's not me or I'm not I don't have anything to do with that, then don't be in the seat. And I I, I hear you. I, I definitely got to, you know, I, I got to come at you with some more of this stuff because, Absolutely. I mean, part of the apathy, I think, is part of the ignorance. I think the ignorance is is applauded in some of this process is most people don't even understand the role of what a city council member does. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even understand, you know, reading the city charter. First off, pulling down the city charter uh, is is interesting. Mm-hmm. Understanding like uh, wh- what's happening. I mean, most people I mean, it's been times where I've sat and looked at, you know, people on council or people running for council that speak to a group of people and say things that it's like a council member can't do that. Yeah. And this happens often. But when people give complaints, I mean, it's kind of the same uh, loop of the same complaints. We want jobs. That's one thing that's Mm -hmm. that's talked about, which Mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily... um, is this is a Kari Frazier opinion. I, I don't I don't think a 
an elected official is necessarily a person that is a quote unquote job creator, mm. though it's mm -hmm. often, you know, that's something that a lot of elected officials on or both sides, out. Republican mm -hmm. and Democrat, try to, you know, have a have a stance on. But like when we look at like even the whole concept of job creations, you look at that Chrysler project that's happening on the east side of Detroit right now. And uh, you actually had as the public private partnership, you know, mm -hmm. you had the city of Detroit putting up billboards saying, hey, why don't you guys come work for Chrysler? Why don't you come work for Chrysler? Why don't you come work for Chrysler? And many people right there dead in that neighborhood looking for opportunities weren't even given the opportunity. No. As, the, as the the jobs and the projects slowed down, you know, uh, it's been times with many of the oil refineries as we've seen downriver that say, hey, we're going to give a lot of jobs and they may hire all of 10 people, uh, 10 people. for uh, tax abatements. And so you all know a tax abatement is basically saying that we'll kick the can and you don't have to pay any taxes for Absolutely. like maybe 20, 30 years mm -hmm. in exchange for you to be able to quote unquote do some economic, uh, economic growing. So some job creation and it'll be 10 people to get a job. But pollution that, but know? pollution goes up in the neighborhood. Oh, I mean, I didn't even get to that point. Right. It's like <laughs> a, another one of the offshoots of one of the challenges that do exist. Mm -hmm. So like unpacking the way that a lot of this stuff looks is, you know, you, you can take advantage of a person that doesn't know. Exactly. And, and, and part of this in my own, this is a Kari Frazier opinion. Part of this, I think, is it's it's a value in keeping many of the citizens you unaware to how this political process works because many of the complaints that people have direct at city council mm -hmm. for the mayor. are complaints that should be going towards the executive body mm -hmm. whether it be the mayor's office or possibly who is appointed by the mayor Absolutely. and then that's another thing like even like who can get appointed uh, it was eye opening for me doing it like you know just you know the purse strings all the paid positions are appointees of who the Marius. And high dollar positions. Yeah. High dollar. High dollar. And a lot of them don't live in the city. And and you're absolutely right. You know, I was talking to someone earlier. You know, if we're talking about having a democracy, right, or mm -hmm. having an inclusive government, information has have to be has to be at the foundation of that. Access to information, but also the the willful um engagement of that information from the folks who are supposed to be purveyors of our government. The, right? the ease of what this is exactly. uh, that should be very prevalent. Uh, one of my, I always say big homies, but one of my mentors before she passed, God rest the, uh, the past of, of Dolores Bennett, that mm -hmm. was a Wayne County commissioner mm -hmm. for a long period of time. You know, she used to have these books, you know, this is what your Wayne County commissioner does. This is what your uh, city council member does. My, my mother that graduated in 1967 from Central High school uh, had a local a local government class. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everything learned about local government right now is kind of like some hearsay and maybe some you know ballotpedia, uh, but nothing just real plain and explicit. This is what the mayor does. This is what your clerk does, even the office you're running for. Mm -hmm. This is what this is what a council member does. This is the difference between, you know, you go to your county commissioner for this, you go to your state representative for this, and you go to your city council member for this. Absolutely. Most people are like, uh And that's you're right. And that's exactly what I want to do as city clerk, right? And you know, on the state level, um, for a lot of state representatives, they have that for the state government. And we definitely need that for the city government. I actually met with a group of educators um, in various schools across the city, and they said, look, we want to have, we want a partnership with the Detroit City Clerk's Office K through 12. Mm -hmm. Because we know that even 
our children in kindergarten knows about something going on. We can make it a fun way for them to learn about government. And what I told them is that as Detroit City Clerk, I would create a, a education a educator commission to create that curriculum. Because you're right, it used to be in high schools, it used to be in middle schools. I mean, but that was it, like maybe the 70s. Yeah, was when and it it's not happening anymore, right? So what I what yeah. we have to do is start from the very young and go all the way up in ages because even the folks who aren't in school and that's why I want to do that program for the civic education to say to have that booklet to say all right your issue you care about this issues I go back to recreation here are all the departments in the city of Detroit Mm -hmm. right here are the city council members and like you said the description of what they do right Mm -hmm. to have that booklet so they have it right at their fingertips to be engaged the other thing I'll tell you Kari is that you know as we have all of these this attention on city council with the um, raids and the contracts and things did you know right now the city clerk is the clerk of the council so that means all of the council business goes through the city clerk they hold it you can't go online right now to see how your council person voted on various agenda items. We spent millions of dollars in IT upgrades, millions of dollars of our tax dollars. Why can't I go online, click to see how my council person voted? That increases transparency and accountability. Right now, what you have to do, you have to call down, hope someone answer, wait to, for them to send it to you, and hope you're talking about the right thing that they can find it. And, and, and even that, uh, and, and it's unique you brought that up, uh, that kind of brings me to uh, what made this election also more complex. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it's a lot of people that should have been on the ballot that are not on the ballot. Absolutely. Especially facing what happened with COVID-19. I called uh, right, right under our... Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, uh, one of our top, uh, one of our top eights. I called uh, somebody, a fellow Northwestern graduate like me, Hester Wheeler, early on. I was like, okay, what's the protocol? And this is what led to the Detroit is different mm-hmm. Riverwise partnership. Mm-hmm. I was like, so what's going to be the protocol for uh, for candidates seeking office and collecting signatures? And it took a like. We're not considered. And it's not just a Michigan thing. This was across the nation. Mm-hmm. There was no new protocol. But our state was under lockdown while people were still looking to collect signatures. And the usual election, you know, you'll you'll go to Meyer, you'll go to Eastern Market, you'll go to, you know, uh, a local, you know, uh, Little League baseball game and right. people will be collecting signatures. Mm-hmm. Due to the, the timing of when signature collection was going on. That wasn't the case of what it was happening. No. And the the general initiative, just so people know, to, to get on the ballot for most things, you need 300 signatures. Mm-hmm. Those 300 signatures need to be registered voters uh, to an address that they write down and also has their signature. And this will be verified by the clerk's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, some thought they were, but they weren't. But it was certain discrepancies, like someone in the clerk's race that you're going with. Uh, you know, she could, she was living in Detroit at the time, but she couldn't get an appointment with the secretary of state to change her ID. But so like the clerk's office kind of just has to take the ID that was there. Yeah. Like it was a lot of unique things going on, um, you know, as as certain initiatives pushing around what happened with the uh, with uh, Joe Biden's election. Mm -hmm. And we definitely saw a swell being at this what is a state run with uh, Democratic leadership pushing Mm -hmm. for for Biden's administration to move through. But I think I thought in certain ways, you know, the secretary of state. And the attorney general and the governor could have been more mindful of what was happening to these local elections after the fact. For sure. For sure. And, and you know what I look at? And there are so many ways. And I look at 
There's definitely should have been more push to as we were still under a pandemic. We're still under a pandemic. You know, the the various yeah. lockdowns aren't aren't there, but we're still there and folks are still apprehensive to be out as they were before. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is that and I brought this up in this clerk race is that if this was an issue, we need a clerk that will actually see that this is an issue and and use their platform to say, "Hey, you know, Secretary Benson, Governor Whitmer, we need to amend these or have some emergency protocols to allow this yes. to happen, right? Because we also heard from candidates that uh, collect signatures, turned them in early, and didn't get notification that they had bad signatures until it was too late. And I, I was familiar with that. Yeah. I, I mean, it was almost kind of like a, a land-breaking dual lawsuit. Many people were very mm-hmm. aware of what happened with Proposal P mm-hmm. moving forward. But that same day, that same judge— <clears throat> made a judgment on saying like look straight up it is what it is the election is the election absolutely and this was so weird because the courtroom as he's saying this the court system due zone. to COVID is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you already knew where I was going yep. it's like he said hey business as usual even though my business ain't as usual and and there has to be an even playing field there. Another thing I'll tell you, and um, just for folks to know, you know, the election is on November 2nd, and you're probably going to this, but I just wanted to let folks know there's three proposals on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And one proposal, you know, right now in the city of Detroit, if, you know, Kari, if you and I got together and said we want to the city government to allocate $5 million to affordable housing, right, mm-hmm. we couldn't, we couldn't actually do that. Because right now the city charter prohibits you from collecting signatures to appropriate money. So appropriate means just for the government to give a certain thing money or tax dollars, right? Yeah. So this initiative, which is Proposal S, would take away that prohibition and allow you to collect signatures to dedicate money. The group behind it is pushing it related to reparations. So if we want to run an initiative to say dedicating X amount of money to reparations for black Detroiters, uh, we would be able to do so. So I just want. But why I bring that up is that, you know, that group collected all the signatures that they needed to turned it in. And then the Election Commission and for folks to know, we have an election commission Mm -hmm. which actually decides whether or not things get on the ballot, how the ballot looks and things like that. The city clerk is on it. The Corporation Council, which is an unelected position, but it was basically the mayor's lawyer. Appointed. Spoke. Appointed. This is this goes back into like so people can pay attention. This is another one of the key appointees mm-hmm. of the executive body. And who that is, is the mayor. Yep. Continue. And, and you have the uh, council president. So mm-hmm. you have two elected officials and one appointed official. Right. Mm-hmm. That day, the council president was not there. So both the clerk and the Corporation Council voted against advancing that proposal. Yeah. They went to court and eventually it was put on the ballot. But what was so interesting is that the election director submitted an affidavit, sworn affidavit, saying that the petition was missing missing the page. But the page was there. The petitions had the pages. But they submitted a sworn affidavit said that's why they rejected it. And for me, and the judge eventually put it on, but for me it's that was that an oversta- oversight or were you told to not put that on? And this is this goes back to as we're talking about apathy and folks not really want to be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. When folks go out to collect the signatures, when they're doing everything they need to do, and then you have folks say, Oh no, we're not gonna do this, right? We're proposal P. 
We did it. I was on the Charter Revision Commission. I was on a commissioner on the Charter Revision Commission. And when we do everything we need to do, and then we have the mayor and city council slash our budget so we can't educate folks, right? When we have, then we get on the ballot, and then we have folks sue, connect to the mayor, sue to um, get us off the ballot. When we have the situation where we don't have a city clerk say, okay, it's in my duty and power to educate folks on what's on the ballot. I'm just going to give them a short summary of what this charter revision is. That goes back to what I was saying about the, the and as you were talking about, the really the attempt to suppress information. And, and, it, and it can get exhausting. It can. I mean, Absolutely. like uh, in doing the work, and this is work that, that I'm committed to. Um, this is what I do. So it's a little different. But even for me, it can get exhausting. Like right now, and this is a question I definitely have for you, just due to what was happening with the, to me, the fumbling at the goal line of what happened in this past, you know, getting on the ballot, we have some open seats on the city, on mm-hmm. the city's uh, police commission right now, meaning that like it'll be either write-in candidates or appointed candidates, and I'm still a, a strong proponent that write-in campaigns are. You know, uh, that's a that's a tough battle. I mean, I still question uh, our current our current executive and if that really went through. And I think a lot of people probably do with logic. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that a lot. But uh, but with that being said, um, what what would you do in that position uh, as clerk? I mean, how do we look at something like that when we see that it's it's certain bodies, it's certain districts for police commission that don't even have names on the ballot? We have to make sure, you know, we didn't see anything from the clerk's office that, you know, these seats are open. Or even the basic thing to put out a communication to say, a municipal election is coming up. Here are the seats that will be on the ballot. If you are, if you want to run for office, here are the requirements. Here are the dates. Here are the things to have, right? We need to have that. It's not just about getting folks out to vote, but it's also about having a government that reflects the people. And the way that you're going to do that is to actually break down the information so folks can understand it and also remove the barriers in which folks can run for office, right? So when we're talking about police commission, how many folks know that we have a civilian oversight police commission at the forefront, right? Sure, indeed. And then the role that they play with And that. the role that they play, right? Yeah. We have citizen um, advisory councils, right? And and they're supposed to be the connection, another connection between city council and the neighborhoods, right? Which I think is, is kind of... A lot of the citizen advisory um, task force, the commissions, it was unique. I, I, I had another good interview with uh, attorney Crystal Crittington mm-hmm. uh, related to this. Um, you know, uh, it, it's different with the council appointed positions as far as like uh, if they're paid and if they have access to budgets right. and what that looks like mm-hmm. and what they do have access to because it's not it's not connected to the executive body and uh, it can be seen as a conflict of interest. Uh, with that being said, there are many, many like I mean, it's so many different. It's so many different boards mm-hmm. and commissions and, and, you know, different things, you know, the zone of boarding, um, you know, where, where. And that's a whole nother book, like those boards and commissions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Board of ethics. Yeah. And, and, and who's over this yeah. and, and what, what purse strings do they control and, and how that looks. And, you know, with the CACs, the Community Advisory Council, 
for folks to know, this came from getting rid of the the CDCs, right? Which had a little bit more power to hold. It was this was when we had council, when we had at large council members. You know, for folks to know, if you didn't know, council by district is a, is new for us. That wait, was, wait, it's, it's come back. Let me say this okay. from Attorney Sharon McPhail. We used to have a council by district, and the council by district also had. We used to have neighborhood city councils. It switched over right. to council uh, at large, and now we're switching back. Right. Certain, yeah. Some of these ordinances, the same way that I used to think that the uh, the district managers, like, where did this come from? That was just a um, that was in existence on the charter as Detroit ain't no young city as mm-hmm. we know you know mm-hmm. Detroit uh, 300 years old you know what I'm saying yeah, so like for sure. so so some of the stuff like but it's still one of those things where the awareness needs to be made if I'm gonna right. bring back a rule from you know what I'm saying like sure. like you know like hey don't you know let let coyotes run free cause you know coyotes maybe used to be here in, yeah. in 1835 I can't just pull that out cause I'm the mayor I gotta right. you know what I'm saying this, this needs to be more Information connected to it. Absolutely, and you're right. And I was, I, what I was trying to say is that the the recent history. But you're absolutely yes. right that we had we did have districts before. But you know when we went to when the city when we had council at large and we yeah. had the CDCs, they were more of a connection to say, hey, this is what my neighborhood is demanding. What are you going to do about it? Right. Mm-hmm. So. You know, emergency management got rid of CDCs. Yep. And now we have CACs or community advisory councils, which has a less little, a less power, but are still essential. But again, a lot of those seats are going off field, right? Um, as you talked about, you talked about police commissions, as we're talking about council, you know, you had some council districts that didn't have any primaries. That too. Right. I mean, I'm, you you definitely had that. I, I think that some of it was like, I mean, definitely with Mary Sheffield, uh, knowing that district, I, I do think she's a very beloved uh, mm-hmm. council member with the work when we look at council. But it's still one of those things that it's a it's an uphill battle. Uh, and, and and in my opinion, another Kari Fraser opinion, I think a lot of this is an attack on black leadership. It's, it's putting a nail in the coffin, even mm. though some of these people are line step with what the executive body is doing is. It's, it's less about that and it's more about the shadow cast still from that Coleman Young administration for years mm-hmm. leading into what Mayor Kilpatrick uh, led into uh, even though Dennis Archer I think was very much so when I think of even the you know the revenue sharing that is still old sadly and that's really what we need we need an no, executive need to step up and make sure that they hold that accountable mm-hmm. because I mean Detroit held up their end of the deal uh, and, and stopped charging you know people in De- that want to work in Detroit and not pay taxes in yeah. Detroit so being that you know D- Detroit held up its end of the bargain the state of Michigan needs to hold up its end of the bargain hence the whole concept of our emergency management and bankruptcy has always been Absolutely. False. Absolutely. Because the state owes us billions of dollars. The, both the city and the school district. Yeah. Both the city and the school district. Yeah. So, you know, the, to to on your point on the candidates and, and as what I'll do as city clerk is, you know, this is a four-year term. We have to look at it 
or a civic education, civic engagement, making sure that folks know that they can see themselves in government to make sure that we're getting the information out about candidates, how you can run for office, doing that work early on, not just during the election year, but before, right? Like, because it also takes a lot of resources to run for office. So you got to make sure that folks are prepared early, but also the election administration, right? We have so many polling locations that don't open up on time, right? And if you're in a city that, you know, 30 to 40 percent don't have access to transportation. And we also have our seniors trying to get around and having to schedule transportation when they're getting there at 7 a.m. because they think polls are supposed to open at 7 a.m., which they are. And it's closed. We're disenfranchising people because they're not going to be able to turn around and say, oh, I'm going to come back, especially if you're working multiple jobs. Right. I was at Greater Grace during the primary at 745, you know, towards the end of the day. You, it was a, um, a woman came up and she said, I'm going to go in to vote. I come here, vote all the time. I know who I'm voting for. I'll be right back out. She came back out with a disappointed look on her face because they had moved her precinct to a different location. And that right there, a lot of people are very unaware of. Mm-hmm. That, that, that does come as a mailer usually to me. But mm-hmm. elections like right now, the, it, what changes your precinct? Because when you have low voter turnout, it's, it's all based on what the last election is. A lot of people don't know this. So, so your precinct may change, especially due to the low voter turnout that, you know, is expected for this upcoming election. You know, I'm sure many precincts will change. Yeah. And you and you have and there's, you know, in the law, there's a process that precinct change and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's and then polling locations change. Polling yeah. locations can change due to building problems. And I know, look, I'm not saying that this is not a large task to run elections in the state's biggest. But city. that's why that's why it, it becomes, you know, because it's, it's a couple dominoes falling. Mm-hmm. It's low voter turnout, uh, I think, due to COVID and that last uh, our last federal executive uh, lack of interest in kicking up census data. Yes. Uh, I think that that controls. I would not be surprised if um, if our 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 beloved. Congress people, you know, in my area, because, yeah, I love Rashida, but it's going to be a tougher fight. And she's, you know, I could easily see her district as people say, like, you know, how to gerrymandering and Mm -hmm. redistricting Mm -hmm. because the redistricting is going to be on. Yeah. It very soon. And it's it's on right now. And what I tell folks is, please, you know, that's another point is pay attention to the redistricting. They're drawing the maps right now. You can go online and submit a comment. What they're and this is key, right? No matter which political stripe you're on, right now, Detroit, I mean, the state of Michigan has two um, what they call minority majority districts, right? So basically, these are districts where um, majority of the district is not white. And in the city of Detroit, that's the 13th and the 14th, right? Those are the Detroit districts. Yep. They're redrawing the lines right now. Some of these maps that are coming out, would get rid of those minority yeah. majority districts. I, I was going to say that is that is always the goal. It's yeah, a political absolutely. leverage fight mm-hmm. that we have to be aware of. And this is where, so if people are paying attention, this is where knowing who your state representative is comes a whole yeah. lot into play. Well, you we have an independent commission now. Mm-hmm. So these are folks, because, you know, in 2018, we mm-hmm. voted for redistricting reform. So now we have mm-hmm. an independent commission. And, you know, I... I am I'm in support of independent commissions, but we also have to make sure these folks are looking at how our communities are actually made up. Because these are folks that may be from northern Michigan. There are folks from the west side of the state who don't know actually how our communities are 
uh, interacting, how it looks, how, you know, they may look at Southfield Freeway and say, oh, that's a divider. No, it's not a divider. <laughs> Folks may have common interests on both sides of the Southfield Freeway. They're looking at 4217 and saying, oh, they that we should put that powder down river instead of Detroit. And it's like, no, these are folks who want to be a part of the city of Detroit and diluting their voice. So folks can go on the website. If you just search Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission, you can go on the website, submit a comment, talk, tell them that we have to make sure that we're keeping in representation of communities of color, especially black communities. Um, make sure you tell them that you can't split up and dilute the voice, the Detroit voice, right? Because um, that's what's going on as well. Because for folks to know, redistricting, as Kari was saying, it determines who your your boundaries for state rep, state senator, Congress, and it really plays into how our voice would be representative in our legislative body. So yeah. definitely tap into that and, and leave some comments to make sure they're actually doing their job right. So with that being said, what do you see as we get kind of to a close? What, what do you think will, you know, spark a lot more interest from Detroiters in this process? Because I, I also think part of it is also people feeling as though the political process is has no interest in where their interests like like the poli- what the politi- politicians and, and the in the local initiatives and in Detroit are pushing are far from the presence of mind of where the citizens are. What I'll tell the folks, and I know it's hard to really think about it in this way right now because so many decisions are being made out of our best interest, not in our best interest. Uh, what I'll tell folks is that government is only going to be what we make it. And what this is what I mean about this. If if we were to get together, if Kari, if you and I were to get together in a district, right? And these are districts that right now that are decided by four and five hundred votes, right? And we went out and organized folks to go to the ballots and vote for a true uh community oriented candidate. Mm-hmm. That candidate will win. Right. Mm -hmm. If we organize three and four and five districts across the city, four and five hundred thousand people per district for citywide election, for mayor, for city clerk, for city Mm -hmm. council at large, that person will win. So what I what I'll put forth to folks is that, yes, it does seem like the system is broken and in so many ways it is broken. But we have we always have an opportunity to change it. We can change it. And what we have to do, the the. First and foremost, the opportunity we have right now for this November 2nd election is especially with um, the the election information that you're doing on, on here and, and what River Rise is doing to folks is that look into the candidates who are running, at least cast a vote for them. And I'm not telling you if there's somebody who's running, you're not vibing with them. You can go in and skip that race. Right. You have that right because you have the right to vote. But this is the first step that we can have. And then the very next day, whoever wins, hold them accountable. Tell them that this is what's, what what I demand, right? Tell five of your friends to say you need to demand that for them as well because this is how, as we're organizing with each other, as we're building it up, if five people, if those five friends tell five people that's 25, five more, that's 125, right? And you, you go to 600, you go to uh, thousands of folks. That's how we're going to organize for the future that we deserve. And we're going to kick, the, kick these folks out of the office to have the Detroit that's actually reflective and responsive to Detroiters and not folks who are working in our um, against our interests. So that's the first step. But also what I'll tell you is that um, it's, it's going to take, it's not 
just about voting. It's about the accountability, but it's also about us modeling what we want in the community as well, right? Because what's so interesting is that you see us, you see communities showing up in the ways where there's community garden or, or um, you know, uh, conflict resolution, and then all of a sudden folks are like, oh, we need to do that. No, you've been doing, we've been telling you that we need to do this and you haven't been doing it. So it's also that outside inside game as well, modeling what we want in our community and lifting up our folks that we know that can be leaders in the elected roles and pushing them as well. Yeah, man, that's deep. Uh, so thank you so much. I don't know if it's more information you want to share, how people get in contact, how people support, but uh, please give that. Absolutely. So my name is Denzel McCampbell, running for Detroit City Clerk. Folks, we have a November 2nd general election for the municipal election. I know we went out, a lot of us went out and voted in 2020, but what I'll tell you is that the municipal election, the folks in the city government roles have a direct impact on our everyday lives. They're making decisions that will impact you, the way you get around, the way you um, go, the what, what working looks like, what your everyday life in the city of Detroit looks like. So please be engaged in that way. You can contact me um, by going to denzelfordetroit.com. So that's D-E-N-Z-E-N. Z-E-L-F-O-R Detroit.com So it's all spelled out Denzel4Detroit.com Or you can give me a call At 313-400-0298 That goes directly to me I'm an accessible person Running for Detroit City Clerk If you have any questions About the ballot Just give me a call And and thank you so much Carter, for having me on Thank you You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.